are you sick of all the free content I'm providing? Do you ever think, hey, Tash, I would really love to come and pay for something? I have some great news. I've launched a series of workshops aimed at both beginners, people who are non-change managers, through to masterclasses for more experienced practitioners. Head to www.casadecambio.com.au for more info. Welcome to Casa de Cambio. On this episode of Casa de Cambio, I'm delighted to welcome Anita Parra. Welcome, Anita. Hello, Natasha. How are you? I'm good. How's your week been? Yeah, really good. Um, Monday morning today, so you're all fresh and ready for the week ahead. I know, I know. <laughs> Same. Um, so one question that I ask all of the guests who come on to Casa de Cambio is what are you currently watching, listening or reading? or listening to or reading, I should say? Yeah, quite a um, really good question, actually. It's quite a um, you know range of different topics I'm usually interested in. Um, given the current number two lockdown in Melbourne, I do follow COVID uh, uh, with interest. And with that, mm. you know, it's more around the statistics and the actual numbers, which is sometimes, you know, a little bit hard to get. Uh, there's one side where you can just follow, I guess, the generic news and get hyped up about an opinion. Mm-hmm. But the second side is really, I think, you know, drilling down into the statistics and, um, you know, looking at it from more a, a research point of view. This is what I'm really interested in. So that that's yeah. one thing. Um, and then there's a couple of other topics of interest because, you know, there's only so much COVID topic you can do. Um, the other the other couple of topics is um, you know around um, you know a really good book which was uh, got recommended to me which is called Scaling Up um, and this is about um, how a few companies from startup make it to to big ones and sort of what are sort of the typical patterns between the different growth spurts and from a leadership and executive point of view sort of what can you do to really enable your team and manage a business through those growth spurts. Um, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, and then a third one, we've discussed it already, already a little bit before you hit the record button, it's called a really interesting book, which is called um, The Naked Mind. So The Naked Mind mm-hmm. is all about, um, I guess, going sober. And there's another thing what I'm just drawing at the moment um, to go cold turkey on alcohol, just uh, to to try it out and see what it does. And I'm fourth week in and I'm absolutely loving it. So uh, quite an interesting experiment for me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I, I might have to grab the copy because I'm about to embark on a uh, break from alcohol. So how yeah. long do you plan on not drinking for? Are you going to continue this for a while or...? Well, really interesting. You know, initially I thought, you know, during the first lockdown, it's way too easy to have a glass or two of wine yes. every evening and it sort of becomes the regular pattern. And, um, mm. you know, I, I find like I must, I'm way too important for myself to keep doing that over prolonged periods. So I thought, okay, stop the habit. And I thought maybe dry July is a good idea. Uh, and mm. then with that, you know, I stumbled across this book and, it's been a real eye-opener for me because it looks at the whole topic from a different angle. And to answer your question, at the moment, I think it will definitely go past July. And I don't know, hopefully it um, will go on for longer to, to stop it. 
I'm feeling great. Yeah. Made, made quite a difference for me, to be honest. Much more energetic and better sleeps and it's good. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Yeah. For you. Um, and what was the best piece of career advice you ever received? Oh, the best piece of career advice. Um, uh, well, there's, there's, you know, there's different ones. But I think the one which really resonated with me is the love it, leave it or change it, right? It's a very simple thing. And it basically gets you refocused on the things which are in, in your area of change, right? Or in your area of influence, right? So focus mm-hmm. on the things you actually can change and the areas where you can make a difference. And these are the things you work on. And everything else or bigger decisions or bigger areas, you know, you can choose to love it. Or if you can't love it or change it, well, then you move on and you leave it, right? But there's no point in getting frustrated over the same things again and again and again. If you can't change mm-hmm. it, right, make a choice to either accept it or to leave it. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's... a uh, for me, that worked out really well. It drives your focus and it drives a peace of mind, right? Not to get wound up about the same topics. Um, mm. And on that test, you know, I think if I reflect on my career, I, ha- I also had the luck to work with a couple of really inspirational leaders. Um, you know, I might even mention them here. One of them was Simon Barker. He used to be my um you know leader manager Terra Data and I was lucky enough to work with him for two years and the second one was Paul Cross is uh in the original times when I started at Oracle and you know the lessons I've learned from both of them um is stuff I still carry on today. Fantastic fantastic so we're here today to talk about high performing teams and building a high performing team so you and I have worked together three times True. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That's true. um, With David and Ali at uh, ANZ and again last year at Oracle. So I have um, had the pleasure of experiencing and being a part of one of your high-performing teams or, you know, that you put together. So I wanted to ask your opinion about, yeah, how do you come in and and set that up? So I think the first question I wanted to ask is what are some of the features of a high-performing team? Yeah, high-performing team, right? It's um, it's this big word and um, it's a really good question because, you know, I do think the team I've built at Oracle is, I pardon the French, but they're kick-ass, right? I really love them. They're, you know, they're together. Really well. you like on the podcast. Sorry? <laughs> what? You can use as much French as you like on the podcast. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Um, and you know, upon reflecting in terms of what you know, what made the team so successful from picking them up, picking them up from a state where the motivation was low, the success was quite average, to really this high-performing unit, which um, I believe is one of the highest-performing units in Oracle Consulting, you know, across JPEG probably. Um, but where does it all start? Like for me, you know, it starts with the selection of people, right? If you if you enter a team, there's the existing team you work with, but then there's also the people you bring into the team. And then the hiring question is, as a manager, what is it what you look out for when you hire someone, right? Is it capability or is it personality? 
And from my point of view, it's usually always personality over capability because capability you can teach, right? I can teach you to be a mm. consultant on that product, right? Or to solve a business problem. But personality, meaning how motivated are you to go the extra mile? How resilient are you? How well do you work under pressure? How well do you work with the team you have to drive maximum outcome is much harder to teach. So definitely... Hiring is a key, you know, hiring criteria is a key one. And then the, the, you know, the furthering point would be, you know, is the diversity of the team. So we all know statistically diverse teams perform much better. But I might ask you back the question, Tesh, what's diversity, right? What, what, what's, for you, what does diversity actually mean? Well, I think there's many meanings I think one the first one that springs to mind is diversity of thought so people who have different ideas that may complement each other because I think back to you know some um, teams that I've we've worked really well together or some people that I've worked really well with and we've gotten really good results and sometimes I think well we actually had very different skill sets and experiences but we had because we had different ideas and we were able to bounce off opinions, we actually complemented each other quite well. So then, yeah, there's diversity of thought. And, I mean, there's also diversity of background and, you know, culture and, and all that sort of stuff. No, no, spot on. Like, it's it's exactly that what brings the best out in teams, right? So diversity is uh, not only gender diversity, but it's age, it's cultural background, it's, uh, you know, the way people approach a problem. And then it's, it's enabling that diversity of thoughts, which is actually brilliant, right, to to bring together to actually solve solve a problem, right, and, and enable the team to work together on it um, because multiple people with diverse point of views drive a better outcome than one person or three per people with the same point of view. So, yeah, that's definitely a big one. And then, you know, another key, another key topic is also to make sure a team is focused, right? So once you have this good mix uh, of, of people, it's like, well, what's the journey we're on, right? Like, what's the, like, where are we actually going and why does it matter, right? Like, you've got to, as a leader, not only manage the business as usual stuff, but you've got to be very clear in the next 12, 12 to 18 months, like, what's the objective? What's our vision? Where do we want to go? And why does it matter for you, for our team, for our business, for the people we work with, right? What, you know, why are we getting out of out of bed in, in the morning? Um, and then I think the, you know, the, the key element then once you've worked out the vision is the communication down to the team, making it relevant, making it real, and then enabling your team, right? I'm a strong... A strong believer to say the people you have in your team, you got to trust in them. You got to believe they're smart, right? You got to believe they're very capable, and you got to give them that this is where we're going, and you guys got to figure it out, right? Because you're smarter than I. I'm just an enabler, right? For me, it's like we together work out the vision, and then I'm just a person who removes the roadblock, and then it's totally over to you for you guys to drive it and run it, and. Um, yeah, I feel like with, with that focus, right, and that constant focus back on, on direction, 
Um, you know, I saw in the last 18, 18 to 24 months of my team, like we've done and tr tremendously great things. Yeah, that, that worked really, really well. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so when you're a leader who's trying to build a high performance team, mm. Um, and you talked about clearly articulating your vision and, and, you know, where we're going. What are some of the challenges you might face when you're trying to do that? Yeah, so there's also lots of challenges uh, as part of that as well. And, um, you know, there's the challenge, for example, that, you know, if you inherit a team, which is generally the case, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that you built the entire team from scratch. Well, usually it's not the case. You, you join a team and there's a good chunk of people there that um, people are not with you on the journey, right? They um, they don't believe in your vision. They may have their own reasons why they work for a specific organisation or they don't believe in the organisation um, or they're just, you know, they're just resented for whatever reason, right? Um, and then you have this divide in the team of people who are highly motivated and people who just do their business as usual job, right? And the challenge is in, in a team, you've got to really have the maturity of the team with you on the journey in order to cre create that, um, I guess, that why effect and that impact for, for, for the team to go the extra mile. If you don't have the critical mass, mm -hmm. it's, a really, it's, a really uh, it's a really key challenge. Yeah. It's like having that yeah. one team. And one team also means, you know, you got to nip poor performance in the bud, right? Like you may have seven or eight super, yep. super performers, but if you have one person who gets away with murder, who doesn't do their job, who delivers crap work, right, gets the same salary mm -hmm. like everyone else, everyone else starts saying, yeah. well, that person gets away with like a third of the effort I'm putting in. Hang on, I'm doing something wrong. So you also got to... You know, yeah, why am I doing the extra mile? I'm a chump. Yeah, 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 right. Like, why, you know, if this person gets away with like that uh, and gets the same salary, why should I go in and do the extra mile? So, so can, I, can I tell you a story? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So that actually reminds me, and I had forgotten all about this, but I was telling my brother about it on the weekend. Yeah. So, when I was 22, I started managing two teams um, in like a bank banking shared services centers I was really young and I had like 30 people reporting to me wow. and it was a, a big banking boom because we were working in you know anyway I won't go into why but there were if there was a, our teams were really really busy so we hired a lot of temps to come in and help us with work because we were working I was working the night shift and there were these two guys in the team and they took the piss so massively like they were working five hours and they got paid more than me on it because I was on a permanent salary and they were on a temp salary so they were getting like 50 bucks an hour or something crazy and I was getting like probably $30,000 a year because <laughs> this is a long time ago right long time ago um, and yeah like they just took all these unauthorized breaks they were constantly driving off to go to KFC um, and one of them got so and so the team were always telling me you know they're doing this they're doing that they're being really lazy and because we had KPIs they did the bare minimum of KPIs and once they did that they stopped working for the rest of the night and I wanted to because they were temps I was like well get rid of them because they're bringing down team morale and then one of them actually sexually harassed someone over email and I had the email and I went to my boss and said you know I want to get rid of these guys like they're really trouble they're bringing down team morale because all the people who are doing the right thing are getting frustrated with me and my boss said 
no, we need people, so we need them to stay. So I wasn't allowed to. And that, like, and at the time I thought, okay, well, you're very young and it's your first management role. And my boss was much older and more experienced. So I obviously did what my boss told me. But I reflected on that, you know, recently as an adult. And I'm like, no, they had to go. <laughs> like yeah. it was such an obvious no-brainer. And I just think if I was in that situation now, it would be like, yeah, yeah, you're bringing down. Anyway, I just wanted to tell that no, story. But back to you. It's like totally relevant, right? And if you, you know, if I go back to say, well, what, what are the challenge? What, what's the challenge in creating a high-performing team is having management mm-hmm. who supports you in making decisions and, you know, yourself, you have to, you have to have the guts to make decisions, right? Um, you know, if something mm-hmm. is not right, you've got to change it. Yeah. And that's what I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about because you talked about performance management and yeah. I've, you know, had that experience when I was very young. But I've also worked in a lot of environments where people just say it's too hard to manage performance mm. if it's a large organisation. So how do you overcome that cultural barrier? Because so many people just think, no, nah, it's too hard or I might get accused of bullying or, you know, like how, how do you um, go about that when most company cultures in Australia are just let's just move that person to another department yeah look I mean my approach is always um you know the first my first assumption is the person is brilliant right so even if someone don't doesn't show that and it doesn't come out through the job they're doing you know I'll never go in with the with doubting the person right so the first thing I do is find out why is the, the performance of an individual not not what we expect it to be, right? So it requires the sit-down conversation to say, hey, how are you going? How's the job going? You know, what's your objectives? You know, what else do you need? What gets you out in the morning? What are you motivated? Like you've got to understand what's going on, right? And then you've got to figure out, number one, is the job right for the person? Because often people, which may be brilliant in one thing, they're just in the wrong role, right? Or is there mm. personal conflict, maybe with other team members, which drives the performance down? Or, you know, mm. I don't know, or maybe the job or the department is not the right one and then you can help the person find something they're really good at, right? So... So it's, it's, it's like a multiple step assessment, which I do with my team, right? And then if we together decide, okay, well, the job is right and we're just going to help the person get up there, well, then it's ongoing coaching and driving the focus down until the person is there where we need it to be. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's work, right? Like you've got to invest the time to, to make it work yeah. and you've got to, you know, really really focus on 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 helping that person um and with that also comes i'm I'm a huge fan of very open and transparent uh uh, communication with the team and also with individuals i'm not someone who you know is a political player so my team if someone is listening Mm. to that now they probably know exactly what i'm talking about i'm a huge fan of being transparent being honest including uh you know the team and key team members in my thinking and my decision making and also including them with the say with decision making you know if we need to make bigger decisions it's not that i run off and make a decision by myself but i'm going to get the support of my experts right i'm saying this is the problem what do you think is the best the best way to approach it um because again you know I'm not the smartest person in the room if I lead a team. I'm just the enabler. 
And with that, I always draw on the expertise and the opinion and the point of views of the key people I have in the team to drive them make the best outcome. And, you know, speaking of high-performing team, what this, what, what this does also means the team feels included and it's not a decision which is being forced upon them from the top, but they're part of the journey and they can actually shape the direction we're going as a team, which I think is absolutely critical as well. Key change management principles that you're um, firing off there, Anita. Like I always say to people, people need, no, to get people on board with a change and building a high performance team might not necessarily be a change using air quotes in the traditional sense, but people need to understand why we're we doing this. What's the vision and tie it back to the vision and yet yeah, get people involved so they help yeah. build it and participate in it and then it will manage itself rather than people feeling like they're having things done to them or I'm a victim of this and you know, it's very autocratic and command and control, um, which also leads me into my next question. So you've talked a little bit about some your leadership style mm. and some of the, um, I guess, things that you've done to build a high-performance team. But is there a particular leadership style that you recommend to build a high-performing team or do you change up your style depending on what the team and the situation is? Um, a particular leadership style? Um so I think it's the bringing all of those elements we already discussed, I guess, together, right? It's this, um, it's understanding, you know, where the key people in your team are at. It's tying it back to the vision and the why. It's uh, investing in people, right? I think personal connection, specifically now where the whole workforce is shifting to digital and everything is over Zoom meetings and teleconferencing, I think connecting with people is really important. Um, taking the time to, you know, check in on an unscheduled phone call or a few messages to say, how are you going? How's your family? How's homeschooling going, right? Um, how are you coping mm -hmm. with the workload? Do you have Zoom fatigue? Oh, my God, I have Zoom fatigue, right? It's like um, co connecting with people and keeping the team focused, having that vision and, you know, enabling and challenging the team to go the extra mile that they can do better, um, you know, giving them challenges and then just supporting supporting the team underneath, right? Um, and I think a lot of my guys and girls in my team, you know, I've often throw them into the deep end, right, and say, right, awesome, there's this opportunity, I think, you know, I think you, you agree for that, off you go. And they may feel, they may feel mm. right? And I think one of the key things is... Um, the enablement underneath, right? It's, it's making sure individuals, you know, feel safe enough to fail, right? And they have the support network that you can immediately support them if there's errors or if they uh, encounter a difficult situation, right? And then you have the open conversation and the team to actually fix if stuff, if stuff goes wrong or, you know, the team behind it to actually really drive the, the top end performance you want to see. So... I think, Tesh, I think it's all those elements together which really, you know, um, make up that management or leadership style. And, sorry, I think one last point on that is also empowering individuals to make decisions, right? I, you know, if people come to me all the time for questions, right, it's like, well, what, what do you do, mm. right? Like, you, you're the expert on the ground. Give me two, you know, come back with options or... You know, what's your recommendation, right? Think about the problem and um, only let's debate the options afterwards, yeah? And 
Um, specifically, if you move, if you are, and I would argue a lot of businesses are nowadays anyway, you're fast agile moving, right? The fast one it's the slow one. So you got to enable your team to make decisions themselves and, you know, empower them. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get decision-making right, then don't tell them what to do, but invest in the training and in the guiding principles around how to make it, how to make the right decision so they can actually make the judgment calls themselves. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. Yeah, that doesn't that. always work. Um, that's <laughs> what we're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and do you have any advice for leaders out there who might be trying to build a team of their own um that you haven't already given yeah look i mean what i see is that a lot of leaders are so caught up with the business as usual management right i think nowadays everyone is so under the pump that your days are just full with keeping it operational, right? Of, of getting from Monday morning to Friday evening and leaving the, you know, keeping the lights on specifically if you have a larger team. It's, I think, really difficult to find the time and the headspace to focus on what it takes to move the business forward, right? And each week, my advice is to leaders and to anyone, even if you're not a leader, even if you're just an individual contributor, right? What is it you do to move your career forward, right? And what is it, therefore, you mm. need to focus on? What's the single one thing you got to do next week, right? Or what's the two things you got to do next week? And what I see is a lot of leaders don't create time to do that, right? A lot of leaders are very busy doing whatever they're doing to keep the lights on, but don't drive to focus home, you know, if the 12-month vision is this, what do I need to do this week, right, to move closer to that vision? And I think that's that's essential. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, any parting words of advice, Anita? Well, <laughs> any parting word of advice? <laughs> Have fun, right? I think, uh, you know, we spend so much time at work. Um, I love having, you know, some office or online shenanigans. Have a good laugh, put some panther going mm. on, um, you know, love what you do. And if you don't, change it. That's it. Wonderful. Well, Anita, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, thank you for joining us on Casa de Cambio. Thank you so much for having me. Chat soon again. Mm -hmm.